Welcome to the Dad's Off Duty Podcast, and boy, do we have a special evening for you guys. You get to hear us talk about one of our favorite topics, kids' movies. But before we get into really what we're going to go into tonight, I want to start off tonight with a dad joke. Are you ready for this one? I think you're going to like it. I'm ready. Do you know why a nose can't be 12 inches long? Because then it would be a foot. Because then it would be a foot. That's right. I shouldn't have asked. I shouldn't have asked the engineer the question. I was going to say, it's a match joke. It was right up my alley. Yeah, I thought you would like that one. Um, And the other one that that I really like that I came across is, especially now with my hip situation, I don't really trust stairs. They're kind of always up to something. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. We should have just quit after one. Oh, yeah, I could keep going. That's fine. Um, (laughs) We're not cutting that one out. It was beautiful. Um, Yeah, so tonight we are talking about a movie in particular that you had to watch. Do you want to introduce said uh, clip or said movie that that we forced each other to, to watch in the last couple of days? Yeah, this is one that I had never seen up until just last night. And it is the 2020 Disney Pixar picture called Onward. This is a movie called uh, starring Tom Holland. Well, I should say starring. Voiced by Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, among others. Still the uh, Marvel and, crew. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man and uh, what's his name? Star-Lord. Star-Lord, thank you. Uh, reuniting once again um, in this picture about... Well, you give a synopsis. You've seen it probably more times than I have. Yeah, I'll per- absolutely, I'll give a synopsis. Um, spoilers. There will be spoilers, by the way. To Starting this out right now, if there are dads out there or there are people listening to this that have not watched Onward... The first recommendation I'm going to make right now before I go any further is to watch it. Um, Maybe not stop whatever you're doing right now and watch it, but is to watch it. It has some pretty good, important things that I think uh, dads and families need to talk about uh, in it. And we'll get into that later. But now that I've said that and I've warned that there will be spoilers, um, a quick kind of synopsis of the story is... There's these two brothers and their mother live in this fantastical world where there are trolls and elves and unicorns, but kind of think of it as more of like a modern day world that has all of these things in it, kind of um, like a D&D world, except in the modern day. Now, we go past the D&D portion of it a little bit. It's the story about how two young boys lost their dad to a sickness and then the youngest son, the youngest brother never really got a chance to meet him. And it's the story of magic reinventing uh, itself in their world and their lives and trying to get that one last opportunity to spend time with their dad. 
um, we'll go further into it, but I think that covers it pretty well. Absolutely. I think before we move on, though, my favorite part about going to the movies lately is having drinks. I don't know about you. Yeah. There are some times when I'm sitting in a movie theater, I'm just like, I need a drink. So can we have a drink? Let's have a drink. I am all ready for you. I, you know, I already start off. How about you start off today? Oh, absolutely. I'm all Flip tapped and ready. I'm yeah, off the script. All right. Uh, cue the wait. I got to say this time. Cue the music. You guys didn't see it, but I was dancing. So. Uh, today, I uh, get to try uh, a new drink and Jason caught me off guard here a little bit, but that's fine. I haven't actually had a chance to taste it yet, but I am drinking this limited release Alaskan fireweed blonde. It's called fireweed blonde. So I have no idea what to expect. They're going to get a, a live reaction to the taste. I will say this though. The can is quite attractive. It um, is. It looks like a purple fire. Yeah, kind of is. It's like a purple weed fires, <laughs> fireweed, right? Uh, yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try it and I'll I'll tell you guys what I think. First, I'm gonna sniff it. Oh, you fancy? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm fancy. What notes? What notes are you getting? Uh, there's a E flat. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I couldn't help. B sharp. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, wait. That was definitely flat. <laughs> Hold on. You know what? Um, it kind of tastes like a weed. It's not great. Um, like a dandelion? What do you mean? Or are you yeah, about like the, the herb. Like uh, <laughs> no, not, not, I'm not talking about herb. Um. Um. It definitely has this weird kind of like floral skunky flavor to it, though. Uh, Everybody wants a drink, a skunky flavor. Yeah, it's real weird. Um, I'm I usually really like blonde beers. Uh, they're usually a little bit lighter and this is lighter, but it has some wonky flavors to it. So if I were to give this a star rating, Based off just trying it right now, it would be like a two stars, two and a half, maybe. Mm. Not not great. The lowest rated beer I've had. I'm usually pretty gentle on my drinks, uh, rating them. I'm not like Jason over here, who's who's got you know the critique hammer going out. You, you have to earn the stars. You have to me. earn the stars when you're Jason, and I guess tonight you have to earn them for me too because. Uh, the limited release Alaskan Fireweed Blonde gets a two stars out of five, so not great. Well, but I'm still going to drink it because I'm not going to waste it, obviously, but I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i still drink it. But you're not going to like it. I'm not going to like it. All right. It's cocktail o'clock, everybody. So today, this week, you know, we're discussing the movie Onward, like we said. If you haven't seen the movie or... You, even if you have, you need to you need to understand that the characters, the main characters are all very blue in color, right? This is like you said, a magical world. 
So we've got elves, we've got fairies, we've got uh, manticores. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to uh, have a blue drink today. So if Ooh. you see, it's very blue. It's electric blue. Your shirt is blue too. Yeah, uh, see, I'm on theme. I'm on theme. Today. <laughs> At least your Do face you isn't know, blue. Pop quiz, hotshot. Do you know what ingredient I put in here to make it this blue? Oh, um, I mean, is it a liquor? Yes. Blue curacao. Did I say that right? Curacao. Yes. Curacao. It is. It's I like get a, it. Um, yeah, it's it, that is one of the ingredients that makes it blue. For the main, uh, the other ingredient ingredients, is balls. <laughs> I just dipped my balls in it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's been a long month. No, I love you, honey. Um, the main liquor in here is the only main liquor I have yet to try on cocktail o'clock. Another pop quiz for you. What what li what liquor do you think this is? What spirit? Um, let's see. You've done whiskey you've done gin you've done i think you did rum early um yep. uh you haven't done brandy but i don't think you consider that like a like a real it's not spirit. it's not tier one maybe <laughs> tier two um you did vodka right you did, did vodka you did, you did vodka left? uh what am i missing Uh, I, I got nothing. South of the border. Oh, tequila, obviously. Tequila. This mm, is... I, I like a, tequila. Yeah, this is a blue... Let me look it up. I think it's called a blue margarita. Blue um, margarita. Oh, it's, so, just, it's a blue margarita on the rocks. It looks delicious. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the ingredient list, and I'll go through it, you know, typically, a, you know, your average run-of-the-mill tequila has three basic ingredients it's i'm sorry your your run-of-the-mill margarita has three basic ingredients it's tequila it's triple sec and it's lime juice that's pretty much what you need to make a standard uh margarita now you can mix it up and add strawberries and make a strawberry margarita or pineapple you, you can make it anything you want the only uh addition to this drink is that blue carousel is also in it so this is a four ingredient margarita so what i did was i put two ounces tequila and i use the tremana tequila which if you're not familiar is the rocks tequila everybody's favorite wrestler slash movie star the rock he has his own tequila oh so it, he has his own branded tequila yes that sounds awesome now side note sorry i get distracted easily talking speaking of Dwayne the rock johnson um I recently started watching Titan games or whatever, uh, the Titan games with my wife. And I just have to say that Dwayne Johnson seems like, and I'll never know this, obviously, but he seems like one of the most just down to earth, cool dudes, like somebody that I would want to have, you know, beer time or cocktail o'clock with just chilling and just hanging out he just seems super cool um so sorry continue i just want to no, point that I out i'm a huge huge fan of the rock yeah I, I think you're not alone there his social media accounts are 
very positive. He's always got a positive spin on everything. He's always really cool and really gracious to his fans and other celebrities. I don't think you'd find very many celebrities or, or just people in general that would say anything negative about The Rock. So I, I think you're right on there. So yes, he has his own tequila, much like uh, Ryan Reynolds has his own gin. And also the two guys from Breaking Bad, Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston, have their own tequila. I think it's called Dos Hombres. So I think that's like the new celebrity thing is to get your own liquor. I would totally, I I would totally drink some gin that's endorsed by um, Ryan. Another one of my just favorite celebrities. He loves reading, and I'm all about that life. Yep. So, in here, two ounces of tequila, Tremana, I used, which by itself on the rocks, I'm not a huge tequila guy. <laughs> but it, it, I don't drink tequila straight usually, but this is, it's a really smooth tequila. So, if you're looking you for just, something good. You just said, sorry, again, I'm real bad at this. Uh, you just said you tried Tremana tequila, which is the rocks tequila on the rocks. So, sorry, continue. You're going to edit all that out to make me sound fantastic. <laughs> I've got tequila flowing through my blood here, so this might be a real interesting episode. I'm going to get through this recipe, I promise. Two ounces of tequila, uh, three-quarter ounce blue carousel, a half ounce triple sec, and one ounce lime juice. I squeeze my lime juice fresh. You can get the bottled stuff, but why? Why would you do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fancy. I'm just saying. I sniff so, my beers and he squeezes his limes among other things dad life um this is a really good drink honestly it's blue in color it looks cool i it tastes just like a a margarita i would make it's a it's basically a margarita it just looks cooler that being said four out of five four out of five dope it's good and i love margaritas like i could drink margaritas all night Give me a margarita and some chips and salsa. Oh, I'll be your friend. Fuck yeah, man. I one of my favorite things to do before coronavirus hit before COVID-19 hit was to if my wife and I had a date night, we would go to a Mexican restaurant. We'd drink a bunch of tequila and eat a bunch of Mexican food and chips and salsa. And it was an amazing evening. Yeah, absolutely. What a good combination. And then would you put your chip in her salsa at the end of the night? Usually how it works. Um, yeah, that's one way to put it. Let's talk about onward. Onward <laughs> to the next segment. Onward, ho. Um, I'm not calling my wife a ho. That's not what I was no. doing. So this movie opens up at one minute. I, I took timestamps because I'm anal. At one minute in, there's flying unicorns. Nerd. So right away, I'm like, oh. This movie might be for my daughters because flying unicorns, that's their jam. <laughs> um, unfortunately, as we'll get into the movie more, I, I don't think this really is a movie that my girls would enjoy. But um, there's there's no music in it, um, which that's like the basic. They you, they need songs. I'm not sure how how this would go for your kids, but maybe we'll get there eventually. So. Yeah, flying unicorns right at the beginning. I'm like, okay, a minute 35. There's a very obvious Indiana Jones spoof when he's like in the cave and he's going for the, uh, what do you call it? The the amulet, the goblet. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like, yep, that's that's an Indiana Jones spoof. There's a couple of spoofs here that I caught up 
on. But uh, yeah, that that's right at the beginning, first minute or so. Yeah, and one of the things that this the movie starts off with is basically how in this world magic has slowly died off. One theme that I kind of come back to as an a you know kid going through adulthood and into dadhood is that sometimes and this is something that I thought of when I was recently watching this for this episode is something that I thought was that sometimes it can feel like the magic in our life is dying. And what I mean by that, it might be maybe we don't feel as imaginative as we once were. Um, Maybe it doesn't feel like we're having as much fun as we once were. And all it takes is, you know, one spark, one moment of belief to kind of get that back. uh, Kind of what happens in the movie. And it kind of really hit me, you know. I lost a lot of my creativity and a lot of my drive to succeed and stuff before I had kids. After I had kids, it was like that spark, that moment that let me like, yeah, I should really get back into art. I should, you know, try something new like podcasting. I should really try and do something more than what I was before. And I thought that the the two moments um, kind of magic being brought back into the world and the movie really kind of struck a chord with me personally and kind of the magic in my life being brought back by having children. See, that's cool um, because I think for a lot of people, it might almost be the opposite of what you uh, just said because for a lot of people I've you know talked with, it's almost like when you have kids, you start losing your sense of self. And it's like, the kids are your number one priority and all your hobbies go away. You know, you don't see your friends anymore. Maybe the the card nights with your buddies going out to the bar, doing whatever you used to do with your buddies. Your, your extracurriculars are now going right into your kids. So that's good to hear. I, I like hearing what you just said, and I hope more people will, will take that, you know, to thought. I I, uh, I was just going to say, like, in the beginning, you know, the, like you were just talking about, they were kind of giving the history of this world, and they were kind of bringing you up to speed. And it was like, you know, magic was the thing back at the beginning of this world. And then slowly technology was introduced. It, it reminded me a lot of Harry Potter, uh, the series, in a way, because mm-hmm. you've got this balance between normal, in quotes, normal life. And then there's this magic life and the two are completely separate and not to be, you know, intertwined with each other. So there's Hogwarts, you know, which is this magical school where you go and to get there, you have to kind of go through this magical wall. And it's, you know, once you go through there, magic is fine. But when you cross the, you know, the barrier back into the regular world, you know, magic is not a thing and you do not cross the two. So I found that interesting um, when I was, you know, hearing the how they're setting up the world at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. um, After they set up the world, it kind of goes into uh, the 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 main gets into the main characters a little bit. You have two main characters in the movie. They're brothers. Uh, You have an older brother who we'll find out later got to kind of grow up and we'll spend more time on this. We'll kind of got to grow up with a dad. 
um, in his life. And then you have the younger brother where we find out that the dad basically died very early or I, I was it the mom was pregnant. Um, one of the two, either right after he was born and the mom was pregnant, he never really got to meet his dad. And the, the younger kid just think of like cliche, nerdy kid, super shy, doesn't want to get out and, you know, try things. Uh, really kind of in a, in his own world, but really interested in just about everything that has to do with this dad. And he's turning in the movie. He's he's turning sixteen, I think it is. Yes. Um. So he's he's like learning how to drive, and he's doing he's starting to do all of these things that you would normally experience with your dad. Uh, it's kind of just this recurring theme um, about how dads influence a young person's life and a, a very touching moment later on that we'll get to. But after they introduce it, they introduce the, the two kids and the, the older kid, Barley, is my jam. He's my dude. He's like, if I weighed like 60 more pounds, I would be Barley for sure. See, it's funny because I think Chris Pratt played barley in this movie exactly like he played andy dwyer in the very <laughs> yeah. first few seasons of parks and rec you know this like stoner kind of like loser you know i think i'm cool but everybody else thinks you're an idiot type guy it reminded me very much of andy dwyer yeah i big fan of of barley in the in the movie though kind of really finds his role as older brother important to not only the family but to the younger brother and that's something i see with my kids so i have two kids i have a four-year-old and a, and a one-year-old but my four-year-old th like one of the things that he loves most in this life so far is being an older brother like he wants to help the younger brother down from a chair he wants to like show him how to do things it's just the coolest thing to watch um just love it I'm giving you permission to talk now, Jason. <laughs> I'm just reading my notes here. Um, it's just funny you say that because my, I, I feel like my youngest is a lot like Ian, who is the younger brother, because my youngest absolutely looks up to and adores my oldest. And, you know, whatever she's doing, the oldest is doing, the youngest just is following in her footsteps. So I get a lot of when I, when I watched Ian and how that interaction between him and his older brother was going, it reminded me so much of my youngest and just how she reacts to, the, to my older, uh, my older daughter. You know, you, you see Ian in his daily life, the younger brother, and, and you mentioned that he's kind of like, you know, kind of like a social outcast. So, you know, at school, he's the quiet kid, doesn't really have a whole lot of friends. The whole premise at the beginning is he's trying to get his schoolmates to come to his 16th birthday party. And of course, like you were talking about, he's learning how to drive. So, you know, there's a scene at the very beginning where you see him driving with this, you know, the driver's ed teacher in, in the passenger seat. And that has brought back so many memories to me of learning how to drive and how scary it was. I don't know what your uh, memories are of student driving, but my very first day that they put me in a car and said, okay, let's, let's start going. And prior to that, I had no experience like i i think my dad and i maybe went in a parking lot once or twice but like as far as driving on main roads like eventually you know you just got to go out there and do it and and watching that scene with him on the freeway 
completely just like flooded my brain and just said like, Oh my God, I remember the very first day I got done with my, you know, 20 minutes or so of driving. And he's like, uh, yeah, we're giving you a, we're giving you a fail there. You've got some work to do. I blew right. I blew right past a stop sign, almost got T-boned. I mean, Oh God. Yeah, I almost I, killed my entire car. I uh my personal I'm a freak, man. I took my like driving test late or whatever. I took it when I turned 18. So I, I didn't really have to take driver's ed. I love driving. I didn't really have much like classroom experience or whatever. Uh I turned 16 and I basically had like my temps. So my dad was like, okay, you can drive now. I said, okay. So I hopped in his giant truck and we would just drive. And I loved it. I loved, I still to this day, I absolutely love driving. I, the first thing that he did was like, all right, time to get on the highway. And I just floored it. Um, so very opposite experiences. I was like, I knew I was ready and wanted to drive the, the moment I got in the driver's seat. Uh, there was almost no hesitation for me. It was like, this is, this is something I can do. It comes very naturally to me. Yeah. So, and did you pass your driver's test on the first try? I did. Yeah. Nice. I, I got much better as the, uh, as the days went on, but. Oh, that that's good. No more. As long as, you know, we're blowing through stop signs on your driver's test. Only did it once. <laughs> um, there was a, there was a scene early on too, when you see Ian in his room and he's got a cassette tape. And it's got the word dad on it. And he, and he puts that on and it's, it's basically audio of his dad um, talking. I'm not sure what, I don't remember exactly what he was saying, but, but the premise was that he had, you know, his dad's voice on this tape. So he would listen to it, you know, and that really brought back a flood of memories to me because my dad had cassette tapes of his dad. And I, I think I mentioned this before, his dad died when he was 17. So, um, I have a recollection of a kid as my, of my dad putting in the cassette tape at our house and listening to, uh, you know, my be my grandpa talking and they were on a road trip and I'm not sure how they recorded it, but they have audio of like the whole family talking. They're, they're driving down the road, going on a vacation. And, you know, every time I hear it, I can see my dad's face and just, you know, how, how many emotions that brings to him. So like watching that scene, I was like, oh, my God. Like having your dead dad's, you know, audio. Of course, now with phones and everything, you know, God forbid you lose a parent or, or a sibling or something. We have so many video recordings and audio recordings now. But but to think about it back then, how precious and, you know, of a memory that is. So um, that that was a really powerful scene for me. Absolutely. So this is the part of the movie. So he went to school. He tried to get his friends to, to join him. Now his older brother kind of ruins that moment, uh, with an entrance with Guinevere, his van. Um, and it is like a creeper van just painted basically black. Like it's a, like it's his brother's stallion. Like it's his bride. Like he's like, yeah. Um, Back in school of rock. I mean, he is. Yeah, absolutely. But he comes in, just basically ruins the moment for Ian. Ian gets kind of upset. Uh, They go home. And uh, that's when he, he has this moment where he's kind of, he has, he has the moment where he's listening to his dad. I can't remember if that was before or after school, but 
so he has that moment, but they, they come back and, and the, the mom is there and they, they kind of want to, they're talking about celebrating the birthday and what they can do. And the mom brings out a gift, you know, that, hey, this is something that your dad wanted you to have when you turned, when you came of age. Uh, Before you go there, I just want to clock this because I was taking notes and, and timestamps, like I said. Tw- th- at this point in the movie, we're 20 minutes in. I I was a little bit uh, bummed out because it's a really depressing first 20 minutes to me. Like Ian is, you know, they, they go through how much of a dork he is. He has no friends. His brother is basically a, a loser. You know, his dad's passed away. I take that it's... personally, by the way. Why? <laughs> huh? Why? Because he's not a loser to himself. He believes in himself. I'm just saying the first 20 minutes are very depressing. I thought. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Absolutely. Especially if you're a kid watching this. I don't know how like, OK, are you going to stick around after these first 20 minutes? I digress. Continue. Um, yeah, so it's 20 minutes in the movie. Uh, Ian's Ian's uh, social outcast. Barley is a loser, according to Jason. And they are home and they are kind of dejectedly talking about celebrating Ian's birthday. And the mom mentions that she has a gift from their dad uh, once both of the boys had come of age. And the gift turns out to be completely awesome. Like this is something that like if my dad decided to give me, even if it was just nonsensical, I'd be like, yes, this is great. So their dad left them a wizard's staff, not only a wizard staff, but also the, uh, the spell and the device, the gems called in the sh- in the movie, it's called a Phoenix gem that helps supply some of the power to use the spell. Um, Are we to believe then that the mom has had this staff wrapped up in the attic for 16 years plus and has never opened it and never like wondered what her dead husband wants to give her kids? Like she's wow. She's like really patient woman. I think what it comes down to is like honoring the wishes of a, a loved one. Like if my wife asked me to do something like that, I know that I would be completely capable of just letting it there until the right time. Okay, I, I wouldn't. I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm going to probably play devil's advocate a lot more here, so sorry in advance. So The the first thing that happens is the brother at, takes out the, the staff and the, the spell is out there, and he tries to produce a spell that lets their dad come back to life for an entire day. I would like to pose a rhetorical question now that you just explained what the spell is. Knowing that our bo- both our dads are actually alive, so maybe this is hard to, to answer. If you were in the scenario, if you were in the shoes of Ian and Barley, would you want to see your dad for 24 hours only? Would that give you more pleasure than pain? It would give me both. Um here here's i'm a firm firm believer in it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all and i think that rule applies here almost directly so in in this instance for me it would be better for me 
regardless. And, and granted, my dad is still alive, but it would be better for me regardless to spend that 24 hours and enjoy those moments together um, than any of the pain that it, it would bring later, uh, for sure. Like those... Um, those moments would be would be more precious to me and mean more to me than any amount of um, you know emotional pain or emotional grief that could come after, in my opinion. Okay. How about you? I don't know, man. Um, that's tough. I it's hard. I mean, my dad. Like I said, my dad's still alive, so. It, I want to say that if my dad has been dead and I never met my dad, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. If I, if I had that spell in front of me, honestly, I'm not sure how, I, how I'd react to it. I might not even, I might not do it. I wouldn't think twice. Yeah, for sure. Like I would, I would bar I would barley it up. I would go in there and try and cast the spell. Now what happens is Barley's unable to cast the spell. He does not have the magic sauce. He does not have what in the movie is called the gift. He gets frustrated. Uh both the the mom's like, well, you know, it was it was an interesting gift, you know, that you know your dad left you, and both her and Barley leave the room. And Ian is left in the room with the the staff and the spell. And so he attempts to cast the spell. The spell gets halfway complete and the gem breaks uh, and the, the power in the spell is lost. He's no longer able to complete the spell. And dear old dad is left with just a lower half basically waist down you have dad you don't have dad up you know <laughs> you don't have oh, he... yeah so he's not talking you can't see his mannerisms all you got is basically his feet his legs and yeah which, which complicates things for the rest of the movie because you really don't can't it's it's really difficult to communicate with them they do find a few ways to do it um barley does have this memory of his dad, like, like Seth said at the beginning, you know, I think Seth, um, I think Barley was only alive. I'm sorry. I think Barley's dad was only alive for a few years that Barley was. So, um, they had this memory. He has this memory of tapping to a certain beat on his dad's feet. So that's his way of communicating with his dad and his dad knowing that that's him. So right away when, um, Ian and Barley's dad, you know, is created from the waist down. They they do that little drum beat to say, hey, we're here. You can't see us. You can't hear us. But um, just so you know, we're in this together and, and follow us type thing. Yeah. Now, one thing that I find really interesting is basically the moment that the, so the spell fails and and. Barley eventually comes back in the room. He's like, what happened? And sees like dad with just a lower half. And he's like, we have to complete the spell. That was basically the first thought, you know, how can we complete the spell? And he's like, well, there's got to be another Phoenix 
Phoenix gem and he went to his deck of many things, basically a D&D reference. And he's like, ah, the Phoenix gem gem is at the Manticore's Tavern. Um, so he went to a game and pulled it out and is like, obviously, this is the next step that we need to do to try and get dad whole. So Barley and Ian take Guinevere and they head to the Manticore's Tavern. Um, Which turns out to be your run-of-the-mill restaurant nowadays because magic is not really practiced anymore and it's all been but forgotten. So the staff is your typical staff. It's It's... It has the theme of castles dragons that type of D type of a theme but other than that it's basically a tavern it's a bar it's a restaurant yeah bad karaoke uh presumably poor food uh, bad birthday songs you know the whole nine yards so they get to the manticore's tavern uh and they are surprised by this like oh crap this isn't exactly what we wanted at all um so they go and talk to the manticore it uh herself herself and they say hey we need the map to the phoenix gem and the manticore is like yeah it's right over there it's it's on this hanging on the wall and through some uh kind of odd and and bad luck a, a fire started in in the in the tavern and they take a kid's placemat, you know, how the kids can color on placemats and stuff and solve the riddle. Well, they take one of those placemats and that has the riddle to what they need to move on in the quest. So the Manticore's Tavern has burnt down and they have escaped after Ian has successfully used the staff once more for a magic spell, which is pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, so they get through the Manticore's Tavern. Ian has used the staff again for magic, uh, and they have to get on their way. Now, I can't remember, was the gas station before or after the Manticore's Tavern? Did I miss that? I think it was after. Yeah, it was after. Definitely after. Yeah. It was after they leave, because they kind of know where they need to go. Yeah, but they're out of gas. Yes. They're out of gas, so they see a gas when when they pull over and the van is completely out of gas. They see a, a gas station nearby, so they hoof it to the gas station to get some gas. And I'm trying to. They eventually fill up on gas while upsetting a group of fairies who can no longer fly. They're basically bike. They're a biker gang. They're tiny little fairies. And there are like 20 of them on a single motorcycle and they create a terrifying little biker gang. And uh, Barley basically accuses them of having lost their way and not being able to fly anymore. Uh, and, and that plays a role in, in the movie a little bit later on. During this whole thing, eventually uh, Ian incidentally makes Barley tiny, just like makes him really small. Um, and 
So they kind of have to work their way around Barley being small and Ian really trying to learn to drive on the fly. Their dad having the body uh, like of a sweatshirt and this weird vest, you know, and, and glasses. Just hilarious floppy looking thing. Think weekend uh, at Bernie's. Yeah, like totally. Yeah, absolutely. Weekend uh, at, at Bernie's. Um, and, and, and this whole scene with um, Ian learning how to drive. We lost Seth. It was Ian learning how to drive leads to a car chase between them and the fairies. So the fairies get on their motorcycles and there's about five minutes or so of your typical car chase with, you know, the fairies trying to knock out the Ian and Barley van. We should also say that while all this is going on, there's a second storyline of Ian and Barley's mother who's learned that Ian and Barley have gone on this like trek to get their dad resurrected. So she's kind of maybe 18 steps back from them. A series of clues leads her to the Manticore's tavern. She meets up with the Manticore and together those two are starting to follow um, Ian and Barley. So we kind of have two different, uh, two different storylines going there. Now, at this point, Ian has spent kind of several hours with his dad, kind of, right? So he's kind of spent several hours with the bottom half of his dad. And he has made a list of things that he, and this is very important to the story, he's made a list of things that he is he wants to do, he wants to accomplish once they make their dad whole again, um, including things like playing catch and um oh god there there are a lot of uh talking was it like talking about life and there were a lot having of having a laugh telling jokes yep. um yeah learning how to drive yep so he has he has this list uh, of things that he wants to accomplish with his dad that kind of really drives ian's motivation to get to the end goal to complete the spell and, and see his dad once and for all because he's never had a chance to really you know talk to him so at 52 minutes in at the end of this car chase that i was just talking about you know th- there's the cops get involved and the the law enforcement basically pull over the Ian and Barley and and dad trio. And it leads to this little conflict because uh, Ian makes himself through magic into look, look like a police officer. So he can kind of get out of this traffic uh, ticket that he's going to be getting. And through the conversation, we kind of learn that Ian thinks that Barley is quote unquote lazy and, so there's some dissension between the brothers at this point in the movie. And I just noted in my notes here at 52 minutes in, I just don't feel like in almost an hour in that we even have an antagonist in this movie, which is kind of rare and unique in my opinion. Usually, and especially in Disney movies, there's always some sort of antagonist, I think, trying to make it hard for the protagonist. And I really couldn't yeah. think of one. Now, I, I have a rebuttal to that. Okay. To me, the at that at this point, even early on, basically as soon as the spell was half completed, the antagonist to me was pretty clear. Time. And this movie has a pretty big setup and how time affects us and how it kind of sometimes seems like we don't have enough of it, all while the answer could be right in front of us. And, and I'll get 
to that light bulb that I had watching the movie a little bit later. But to so me, you're putting time up against Scar and Jafar and all the other really cool antagonists of Disney movies. Has has time ever lost a battle? Okay. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a faceless antagonist, but it's one that we all have to deal with every day, right? How often do we just feel like there's just not enough time in the day to to get something done? Now, not only is there not enough time in the day in this movie, they only have 24 hours to try and see their dad. That's it. 24 hours after that, the spell fades. They can never accomplish the task again. I look forward uh, to Onward 2 when the antagonist is taxes. <laughs> Ian's, uh, Ian's 24 and bought his first home. Um, he forgot to put it uh, into his escrow. <laughs> uh, he has to make it up at the end of the year. That's a movie I've tantalizing. Watched. Tantalizing. Uh but yeah, to me like the antagonist to me kind of was was time um and and trying to accomplish their goal, but okay. So moving ahead a little bit more unless there's something else you wanted to say there. 56 minutes in, you know, Ian and Barley are continuing on their quest and they come up to a of course little cliff in the road. There's this giant gap that needs to be overcome. Literally, a literal gap. They can't get over it with Guinevere. So he makes this spell that creates an invisible bridge. And my my notes here say, what a terrible spell. You really don't have a spell that creates a visible vid bit bridge? It has to be an invisible one? I just, come on. I get why they did it. You have it. to be able I mean, to manipulate. There's no matter there to manipulate to make visible, you know, like... Oh, we're gonna we're gonna start bringing physics in. You're gonna talk about matter in this movie, physics. <sighs> I think we had different um, opinions of this movie, so I'm interested to see the ending. But okay, so that was 56 minutes in. Um, at 105, I have a note here that Ian has trouble with another spell. I didn't even write what the spell was, but Barley is this all-knowing expert, and you touched on this earlier. He is this. He knows everything about the magic world, and I, I understand why because that helps move the story along. Somebody has to kind of set the ground rules, and that's basically Barley's job. But why isn't he? Okay, it makes the story more interested. I get it, but like, why doesn't he try the spell? He did try. He tried the spell in the beginning, but you, if you, you, if you don't have the gift, you can't use magic. So he just has the knowledge, but. His brother has right. To okay, fair enough. Yep. Yeah. So like he doesn't have the this as I said earlier the special sauce to make the spell happen. You know, Ian's got that special sauce. One thing I do want to uh, point out about that imaginary bridge scene, right? The um, where he just steps off the ledge. Uh, another moment that just kind of really struck true to me uh, that I can relate to very person on a very personal level is a few years ago when, and I kind of talked about this already, but trying to decide what I can do to kind of further myself and, and make new strides. And I was like, what can I do? And I kind of settled on podcasting and I didn't know how I was going to do it. And 
the first thing that I ended up doing was just I got in front of a, a crappy mic, and this is something that I I haven't captured, but I got in front of a crappy microphone and I just started talking like I was trying to record a podcast. So basically just, you know, taking that first step without knowing what's on the other side, how you're going to feel about it, anything. Uh, sometimes that's an important thing to realize that's no matter how scary the situation is or how unknown it is, you just have to get out there. You have to take that step and know that, you know, in my case, I have a, I had a support system around me. I had, you know, my wife, I have the other skills that I bring to the table that I, I had it there. I just needed the trust in myself to have it. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I've been I've been knocking the movie a lot, but I think this was a good scene too. And I, you know, every movie has this hero's journey, right? And I think this was a really big step for Ian because he needed to trust and he needed to kind of get rid of the uncertainty and the scared and just the fear he has of in life. So I think this this scene did speak a lot of volumes to me, and I understood what what the point of it was. And it, it was a good scene. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. So moving forward from the um, from the bridge, you talked about another spell that he couldn't do, and that was uh, like a lightning spell. And he couldn't complete the lightning spell because he had to kind of summon all of the aspects of magic that he's been taught along this journey, and it was just basically too difficult for him at that moment. And that's when Barley does the bravest thing in the entire movie. He sacrifices his precious Guinevere so they can evade the police and continue on their journey to trying to bring their dad back. It's a very touching moment. The horse dies, but the the two adventures continue on. So I, I really like that part of the movie. And that they, they continue on this quest, and basically one thing leads to another, and... Ian is starting to get fed up. He's like, man, if we had just gone the route I had said, we would be to the point where that we could get dad back. And this whole adventure has just been a waste and basically just really hating on um, on Barley at the moment. Eventually, they find their way through a couple more clues and make their way on a gigantic Cheeto uh, through an underground cave filled with water, which sounds amazing, by the way. Um, like traveling on a giant Cheeto, just like munching on it. That sounds pretty great. But Every stoner's dream. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they make their way uh, through it. And they come back up to the surface. Basically, like, they've done it. They've solved all of the clues. And they've come back up to the surface. And they're right back where they started. They come back up to the surface and they look around and they realize they're back at their, their school, which is basically where the, the journey started. So what the fuck now? The brothers are completely confused. They're at odds again because they're each pointing a finger at each other saying, you did it wrong. You should have listened to me. You should have listened to me. And we've got this bickering back and forth again. Yeah. Barley doesn't give up. Searches, searches, eventually finds, like, the last part of the clue, unlocks the Phoenix Gem. Little do they know that there is a twist, um, and that the Phoenix, when they find the last Phoenix Gem, there's also a curse laid on it, and their school becomes a gigantic stone dragon. 
And for me, that, in my opinion, that's the first and only antagonist in the movie, and it showed up at an hour and 21 minutes. <laughs> I, I mean, when you think of an antagonist, that, that, that's an antagonist, right? That's somebody yeah. that's trying to stop them from completing their quest. So, Dragon is there, uh, and they are trying to figure out how to fight it, and this is where the mom and Manticore make their... Uh, you know, uh, heroic return onto the scene to help fight the stone dragon with the Manticore sword, which is another side quest part of the movie. But they come to fight the dragon to try and give the boys enough time to to summon their dad back. And, and at this point in the movie, I wrote, magic is back. Because if you're seeing this scene, you're looking up and watching this stone dragon flying around, this is probably, for most people, um, a major mindfuck because up until this point, you know, in recent history, I'm not sure exactly how long, nothing like this has ever happened in this world. This is a normal world up until the movie, or I'm sorry, up until this point in the movie, it's completely a normal world. So this is bringing magic back into the world, in my opinion, right here. Yeah, absolutely. So there is a, like, when I say giant stone dragon, I mean literally the school a school transformed into a dragon so this thing is gigantic um it starts wrecking shit mom and manticore the mom is flying the manticore uh and they start trying to wreck the dragon which is just a beautiful moment of cinematic um you know history there uh but eventually the brothers have a moment and ian has the big light bulb moment he realizes that everything that he had down on his list is something that he's accomplished with his brother. Like his brother provided those dad like moments for him. Um, but Barley, his older brother never had never really got to like spend a lot of time with the dad, never didn't have that positive male like influence on his life from an early age, like Ian did. And so Ian gives up his opportunity to his brother to see their dad and and complete the spell um a very i think beautiful moment hour and 20 i wrote down and, and this was a major wow moment epiphany moment for me i wrote this movie is not about son and dad this movie is about brothers i, I mean yes they're going on the quest to you know get their dad back for a day but I, I don't think that's what this movie is about. This is a brother movie. You know, you, you yeah. kind of see um, they, they flash back when when Ian's looking at his list and he's looking at all the things he wished he could do with his dad. And he they flash back to the scenes when Ian was younger and he's realizing that he did all these things with his older brother. And it's like, that's that's the father figure in my life. Good scene. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that's basically the, the culmination of the movie, right? That's the... Um, well, I was going to say, yes, it is. But th there is also another scene, you know, after the dragon is killed. Spoiler. The Barley does regenerate his dad completely. And two good things I really liked about this movie is, number one, we never got to see us, the viewer. We didn't see the dad in his entirety. They never showed him from the from the front. They showed him very briefly from the back. I, like I mean, that. they showed a they showed a picture of him, but yeah, well, yeah, when he was still alive. But like, mm -hmm. we didn't get to really see him in the present day um, when he was fully regenerated, except from yep. the back, from far away. And 
there's a scene where Barley and his dad are talking because Ian basically can't get to them. He, he He's kind of trapped behind a bunch of rubble. So he, you can see Ian kind of seeing the scene from far away. And, that, and that's kind of us, the viewer, watching that too. So we can't hear what Barley and his dad are saying. And I think that was great because I don't know what piece of uh, verbiage you would put in there. It, it would either be it would it would just completely wreck me as a, as a as a man if I would have heard. And I think that's very important. I think they did that very very for a very specific reason, and that's you know for those people that may have lost you know a father figure like that, it's kind of gave them an opportunity to imagine what might have been said in those moments to kind of make it your own as opposed to make it what the movie tells you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, I haven't lost my dad, but I, I have lost, you know, people close to me. And it definitely made me think about that. Like, what would they say? You know, what would I say to them in that moment as opposed to being told exactly, you know, what's being said there? For the most part, that's pretty much the movie. There are a couple of things that I want to hit on um, kind of at, at the end, some things that I really took away from like lessons that you can learn from from the movie. Accomplishing a goal might not always happen as we want it to. So Ian has this realization that basically his brother has been this father figure. So he had this goal of doing all of these things. It didn't happen exactly how he planned, but he realized that he still had that opportunity. He still had, um, he still accomplished his goals, even if it didn't happen the way that he intended. Um, sometimes what we're looking for is right in front of us and we don't realize it um, is another thing I kind of took away from the movie is uh, kind of like this trust in what's in front of you, trusting your own eyes, trusting your intuition, trusting your gut and really keep it simple, stupid. Sometimes the, the simplest, you know, the, the answer is the simplest answer um, and it, it can be just basically right in front of you. And the other one that, uh, again, really hit home for me is that it's never too too late to have an adventure. And uh, I, I think about that a lot is to, you know, try and make my life an adventure, trying to make uh, my kid's life an adventure in a very positive way, trying to, uh, you know, accomplish things, to go do things, to, to try and make things fun, even if they don't seem fun at the outset, right? Like, oh, this might seem dismal. But what can we do to make this an adventure? What can we do to make this more interesting than what it would otherwise normally have been? So I listened to everything you said. I don't necessarily disagree with anything you said specifically, but here, here's, here's where I'm coming from. This is an animated Disney Pixar movie. Now, when you, th when you hear that, you think, well, it's probably a kid's movie. I watched the movie. I don't think this movie's for kids. You're Great. shaking your head no, you're agreeing. Mm -hmm. I it and when I saw the previews for this movie like six, eight months ago, ten months ago, you know, I, I kind of got the idea it was, you know, this they, they can do this spell to bring their dad back for a day. If I'm a kid and I lost a parent, or even if I didn't, and I'm watching this preview, and I, you know, I'm like six, eight years old, something like that. I'm thinking, like, whoa. Like what you're putting into a kid's head and, and kids don't know what adults know. 
So they can take that at stock, you know, at face value sometimes. Not to say that there's magic is real, and but like putting something like that in a kid's head, like, man, you might be able to somehow find a way to see your dead dad or dead mom for a day. When obviously that's never going to happen. I didn't love that message. And part of me was really curious watching this movie to see how they would end it. If the dad would completely resurrect, you know, be resurrected. And, and by the end of the movie, I think they ran it basically ran out of time and, and they only had Barley had about two minutes with his dad, maybe something like that. So it wasn't like they, they really had like this full day of activities that they could do. That, I don't know. Um, so as as a kid, I, I wouldn't I would never show this movie to my six year old, even definitely not my four year old. They they wouldn't they wouldn't appreciate it anyway. I got a little bit of a field of dreams vibe at the end of it. And I'm not comparing the two really in any way other than just to say if you've seen field of dreams, um, you know, the scene at the very end of field of dreams with him and you finally realize it's his dad and he's doing all of this for his dad. I saw some parallels there um, between this movie and that. I uh, I have a feeling we differ on how we felt about this movie. I think it's pretty obvious. I personally wasn't a huge fan of this movie. Um, I, I, I heard what you're saying about the adventure and life lessons, and I, I get all that, and I agree. But I, I don't think I really agree and like the overall theme of the movie. I just, I think there's just too much that just could fuck with a kid's head or even an adult's head. I mean, my wife, I, I basically explained the movie to my wife. My wife lost her mom um, 12 years ago. She, she's like, I, I will, based on what you just told me, I will never watch that movie. That would wreck me. Um, and maybe I didn't explain it really well. I mean, it, it is a touching movie, but I, 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 okay. I've talked a lot. Do you have any thoughts? Um, no, you know what? I completely see and understand that point. I agree. So I watched this movie in the theater when it originally came out with my four year old and he didn't really understand. I, again, I thought it was just going to be like more of like a funny, you know, Pixar movie. It really turned out to be a movie for, you know, teenagers and adults to kind of, come face to face with some of these themes that we might not always want to talk or think about. Um, so yeah, it, it's a really hard movie to kind of watch. Um, to me, it brought out a lot of emotions, like thinking about the movie, watching the movie, kind of understanding what it was trying to say. So that was kind of tough, but I agree. Not really a kid's movie. Um, definitely not something like i would want to necessarily like even watch with my friends or whatever but definitely something i would want to sit down and watch with my wife now and for your example i would again completely understand the reluctance to do so um but yeah i mean i i really enjoyed the movie i it hit a lot of personal notes for me i even thought that the wife looks like or the mom looks like my wife the dad um looks like if I were <laughs> like an elf, like a blue elf, like the dude would look like me. Um, you know, we have two boys. Uh, it, it just, there are a lot of things that really connected me to this movie. Um, okay. I get that. And, yeah. And 
thought about you know it, it just made me the other thing it made me realize is just how precious your time here is with your children and really prioritizing that and and loving them as much as you possibly can um but enough of the mushy stuff if anybody out there has a movie a disney movie or a kids movie that you want to hear our thoughts on let us know on our instagram on facebook on twitter and you know perhaps your choice will be the next uh, movie that we talk about and may i add i think seth and i had very uh, varying degrees of opinions about this movie i think we fundamentally disagree on this movie I, we would love to hear what you think. So please drop us a line on our Instagram or Facebook or, or wherever you, you know, you can, we'd love to hear what, what you think if you've watched the movie. Absolutely. And, uh, until then dads take a moment and stay off duty. Peace. Peace.